Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to the second letter to the Corinthians. And if you're doing the SAPC reading challenge, uh, you read that uh, on Friday in God's providence. Second Corinthians, beginning with the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort." For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, now will you illumine your word into our hearts? Will you cause your Holy Spirit to give us understanding and to grasp why you preserve these words for your church down through the centuries, but also for us today. Will you apply it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we consider this passage, uh, one thing we need to understand is that this is by no means uh, in the, uh, an answer to the big picture of why there is suffering 
in our world and in this universe? Uh, that's a great question. In other words, if God is sovereign, and he is, if he's all-powerful, then the question is why doesn't he prevent all suffering? That's such a great question, but it's not the one for us today because we're going to deal with uh, what Paul has to say, and he takes us from another angle. As important as that question is, Paul, in this passage, uh, assumes that there is suffering. He stipulates it. He says there is suffering, and then he talks about some of its purposes. Not all of them, but some purposes that he believed would be of help to this church. So what are some of the things that God is doing with that? Well, we need to understand that there is a, a purpose in comfort. That's where we're uh, going to look. And in trying to understand that, as we go through the flow of what Paul has said, he begins with talking about how the, the need for comfort really reveals the nature of God. Look at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. I had a professor when I was in uh, seminary long ago, Dr. John Sanderson, who has been with the Lord for a number of years. And he... Uh, the, the class that uh, I, I want to refer to was Systematic Theology II, which in theology, uh, that was considered theology proper. Now, theology proper is where we talk about uh, the, the nature of God, the attributes of God. And one of the things that he said to us that stuck with me, and it, it was an amazing class, and there are many things that uh, I've, I've considered again and again through the years. But one of the things that he said to we embryonic preachers, we thought we were mature preachers, but we, were, we, we weren't at that point. But here's what he said as he was teaching us uh, about the nature and attributes of God. He said, when you go to a new church, a new calling, you will be tempted to teach a great deal of theology, and you may be tempted to preach through the Westminster Confession of Faith or, or something along those lines uh, because you know so much theology. He said, I would simply ask you, rather than doing that, when you go to a, a new church that you've been called to, begin by preaching a series on the attributes of God. Because everything else you preach after that will be based on those. And I've done that at each church, including uh, St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. That was my very first series here on the attributes of God. Paul would have agreed 100% with Dr. Sanderson 
in, in, in this book, in 2 Corinthians, uh, there's a, a lot is said about suffering, a lot is said about comfort, but he doesn't begin with either one of those things. He begins with the nature of God before he ever t- talks about either of those issues. And he uses God's name in revealing his nature. So what we see in that verse 3 is that uh, he's called the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now right there we see uh, two persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. And then he speaks of the Father of mercies. That word there for mercies it's, is the idea of, of, of pity. And, and the Greek word there is something that expresses a real feeling of, of pity, um, the kind of feeling where you sigh, you go, oh, you really feel what's going on. And, and if you're anything like me, you've been doing a lot of sighing in these days. There's so many things that can bring that on but it's a sign of compassion. And that's the kind of God he is. That's what he is revealing here, that that our God is not a robot. Uh, He's not some force out there. He is a God who feels and has pity and mercy upon his people. And then he is called the God of all comfort. Now, maybe you've heard uh, the Holy Spirit called the the paraclete. Uh, That's what Jesus called him. Uh, That comes from the very same Greek word that is is used here, uh, translated comfort. And what it means literally is to come alongside of. So this word comfort... Uh, it may be a little different than we tend to use it and we tend to, to think of it. The biblical word uh, is different than that. It's not just an escape. It's not just something to make one feel better. It's not just kind of going there, there. The word comfort, and it's used 10 times in this passage. I know you've, you've heard that as, as I read it. Um, but in the Bible, the word comfort has more to do with with strengthening than soothing. It doesn't just relieve our pain. It strengthens us. So the Greek word means to to help by giving courage or to help by making brave. Uh, Even the English word uh, points in that direction too. Uh, Comfort, if you break it down, the, the root, the fort part, Uh, uh, which means uh, strength from fortis. It shows up in words like like forte, fortress, fortitude. So uh, comfort, according to the Bible, isn't just about feeling better. It's about feeling stronger for whatever we have to face. So based on who 
God is based on his nature and the attributes uh, that, that Paul goes on to explain some of the reasons why we ought to be comforted in that biblical way. Uh, look down in verses 4 through 6. We see that we are comforted, so others will be also. So it uh, speaks of how the God of all comfort, and then verse 4, who comforts us in all our affliction. Now let's do a little grammar here. We've, we're doing some theology. Let's do a little bit of, of grammar here. Uh, comforts, it's, it's in the, the present tense. So the idea is that it, it's, it's not something that he did in the past. He, he didn't just comfort us in the past, and then that's the end of that. But he comforts us, and by it being in the present, what that's saying is that he does it, and he does it again, and he does it again, and he will continue to do that so that it is always in the present tense. So why does he do that? Uh, look at verse 4. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now let me stop and clarify something here. Because where, where it says um, we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. It's not saying that we in any way uh, share in what Christ did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. That's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is in this uh, uh, sharing abundantly in Christ's sufferings is are the kinds of sufferings that Paul and his colleagues and sometimes us experience because we are followers of Christ, because he was a follower of Christ, because he was seeking to imitate Christ. That's how he shared in his sufferings. Look at verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So Paul is saying that, that they were afflicted and they received comfort in those afflictions for a reason. And the reason, he says, was so that, that he would be able to comfort others because he had experienced comfort from God himself, the God of all comfort. Now, I mentioned uh, last Wednesday in, in the little video greeting that I did uh, that um, this week I uh, thought about the 15th anniversary of my, my heart attack, uh, and I explained some, some things about that. Uh, I didn't really celebrate the anniversary. Uh, well, maybe I ate a salad or something, but that, that's about it for, for celebrating. But, 
but I do remember it every year. And so I've, I've been thinking some about that this week. Right after I had the heart attack, uh, I got a note from uh, Brian Chapel. He was at the time the, the president of, of Covenant Seminary, and I knew him because we were classmates, and uh, we were both from the same town when we went to seminary, and so we had gotten to, to know each other. And he had somehow heard that I had had a, a heart attack, and he contacted me, and he w- was very encouraging. And he told me, and I didn't even realize this, that he had actually had a heart procedure that same year. And he, he said two things that were a great encouragement to me. One thing he said is that, that at some point things will get back to normal. And secondly, he said he found himself to be more thankful after what he had been through. I remember the first time I mowed my lawn uh, after my heart attack, and I've never minded mowing the lawn, but I remember, I can still remember it, because I was just so thankful that I was actually able to do that. And that's why that was so encouraging. When, when he contacted me, I was wondering about what things will I never be able to do again? What things will I uh, have to give up or, or change? And how will it all change? And when he said, things will return to normal, but you'll find yourself more thankful, those were so encouraging. And then when I would I'd go to the gym or I would walk, I... I found myself thankful and thanking him, and I I do to this day because of that. Now, what happened then was uh, down through the years, I've visited a number of people who have had heart attacks, some of you who are, are watching here. And usually when I walk into the room, assuming you're lucid and everything, I will say something like, well, welcome to the club that nobody wants to join. I'm in it. And it is one of those clubs. But then as we talk, before I leave in that first visit, I share those two things that Brian shared with me things will eventually return to normal and you will be more thankful. I found myself more thankful. So do you see how it works? This is what what Paul's talking about. Uh, Brian was comforted and then he shared what comforted him with me and then I've been able to share that with others and I hope that some of them have also passed that on to others that they've talked with. So there's a purpose in comfort, but secondly, what we see in this passage is there's a purpose in us going through distressing times. Now, the bottom line is that just because there's a purpose in us going through uh, trials or distressing times, that doesn't make them uh, any less hard But what it does is it 
it can give us hope because it's not just karma that we're experiencing. It's, it's not just a, a cruel universe, but instead we have a sovereign, loving God who cares for us and who has a purpose in everything that takes place. Now, I want to give you a caution with that. Be careful when you're trying to figure out those purposes. Some of them will jump out and may be very, very obvious. But we may not see a purpose in what we or someone else is going through. And even if we do see one or or two purposes in what we're going through, we're not seeing the whole picture. There are probably, from God's perspective, a million reasons. And those are his, unless he chooses to reveal those to us. So, one purpose that uh, Paul talks about in terms of us going through distressing times is so that we will uh, not rely on ourselves. Look at verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So what kind of afflictions did Paul experience uh, we know some of them from other passages. We'll, we'll see more later in, in this book. But he, just, he basically has a, a vague reference to them. Um, and they probably knew some of the things he had been through. But here's the point. Paul doesn't dwell on what happened to him. He talks about how he felt when he was going through those things. So why, why would that be in there? How could Paul, getting to the depths of despairing of his very life, how could that encourage anyone else? Well, let's think about it. If he had not shared that with them, if he had just said, I, uh, you know, I experienced comfort and didn't really talk about how he got through those distressing times. Our tendency, my tendency at least, would be to say, well, that, he's an apostle. He was just so mature. He just knew, uh, knew Christ so well that, that he, he was strong. And the tendency would be then to say, I need to be strong like Paul. And our focus would be on him. But instead, he says, look, here's where I was. I was even despairing of my own life. He's saying, look, even as an apostle, I couldn't comfort myself. And neither can we. And so he points us to the God of all comfort to Christ. Look at how he describes God. 
and this is, this is a perfect way to go into Holy Week as we'll be celebrating uh, the resurrection next, next Lord's Day. He talks about him as the God who raises the dead. I, I love him identifying God that way, the God who raises the dead. What uh, kind of God is he? Is, he? is he one you can trust with whatever you're going through? And the answer is, here's the kind of God he is. He is a God that, that his, by his power overcomes the worst possible enemy we can think of, and that is death. And so once again, we see this attribute of God, the nature of God, as giving us hope. Paul makes it clear, not only can we not rely on ourselves in times of trial, but we need to recognize that if we are to be delivered, it will be because of Christ. Look at verse 10. He delivered us, from such a deadly peril, he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope, and he will deliver us again. Now, the, the reality is there came a time in Paul's life where he was not delivered. But that's where his trust was. Paul's making it clear that his only hope for deliverance, if there was to be deliverance, was in Christ himself. And then there's another purpose, and that is so that we'll see the need for prayer. Look at verse 11. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul had already made it clear that, that his and our deliverance, if it was to come at all, would be because, not because of himself, but because of Christ. But here he is acknowledging the role of prayer in how God carries out his comfort and his deliverance. Paul, the apostle, needed the prayer of God's people. And then he says, this will lead to, to others praising God, giving thanks as a result of those prayers when deliverance and comfort comes. So let me give you um, four brief applications here. And we've already touched on each one of them. The first one is, is comforting one another uh, Here's something we need to know, though, about this. When someone's suffering, reason doesn't help bring comfort. You may have the answers, or you may feel you have the answers. But that's not the time to try to talk them into feeling comforted. Rather, Talk about what has brought you comfort in terms of Christ, in terms of the God of all comfort. Let me give you an example. So, let's say uh, someone you know loses a parent. So rather than say, I know exactly how you feel because I lost my mom 
or I lost my dad. Instead, say something like this. I know how I felt when I lost my dad, and it was really hard. Then you've made a true statement, and then you can lead them to what helped you be comforted when you lost your dad. Secondly, the prayer aspect. Do not ever underestimate how important that is. How important it is for you if you're going through a difficult time or how important it is for you to pray for others and let them know that. Now look, here's, here's one of my pet peeves and, and you know this. If I'm going through difficulty or you want to encourage me, don't tell me you're thinking about me. Christians, that's not how we lead. Now it's not bad to be thinking about someone else. But my response to that is, I mean, I don't say this out loud, but this is how I feel. My response is, don't bother thinking about it. That's not going to help me. And so often I'll say, well, pray for me. That's where our focus needs to be. In going to the throne of grace, to Christ, to the God of all comfort, for ourselves, for those who are in need of comfort. And then thirdly, we need an acceptance of God's sovereignty. Now that doesn't mean uh, being passive, but it's, it's trusting in the God of all comfort, that he is there and that he cares and that he has a purpose in every single thing that takes place in the lives of his children. And that purpose, if we don't know any other purposes, that purpose is to make us more like Jesus. And we can absolutely know that. And then fourth, think in terms of reliance. Not self-reliance. Not passivity. Because if all you have is to, to depend on is yourself, you'll come to the end of yourself and, and you'll be empty. And you will not find comfort and strength. Instead, reliance on the God of all comfort. Well, we won't be having an, an Olympics this year. And I'm a big fan of the Olympics. I have watched them from when I was a, a child, and I, I still love to watch them. Back in the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, Spain, Derek Redmond of Great Britain was favored to win the gold medal in the 400-meter race. Just a grueling race. It's, it's not a long race but it's too long to really be a, a sprint. And he was, he was favored in that. The race began, and he was leading as he came around 
to the home stretch. Everything looked great at that point. But suddenly he, he just went sprawling down on the track, holding the, the back of his leg. He had torn severely his hamstring. All the other runners blew past him and, and finished the race. But the eyes of, of that stadium and the eyes of many in the world were, were back on him as he pain, painfully got up to his knees first and then stood up and began literally to hop toward the finish line. He had only gone just a, a, a few feet when out of the crowd, uh, a man ran past the guards onto the track and ran over to him, and it was his father. And he grasped him. And he said to him quietly, Come on, son, let's finish this together. And he walked and mostly carried his son across the finish line. Now that's comfort. And that's strength. And that's compassion. And that's what the God of all comfort, who is strong to comfort us and to bring us through and to enable us in the most difficult times to experience his strength to carry us through. Let's bow together. Lord, once again, we thank you that you are indeed the God of all comfort. And thank you that, that you're the same God that gave comfort to Paul, to his colleagues, to the Corinthians, to believers down through the centuries, and you are here with us as well. Help us, Lord to seek you as our only hope for comfort. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.